0: So January is a month that we are thinking about and leaning into the idea and really even celebrating personal transformation in the kingdom of God. Now, I realize that The whole world is thinking about that. At least the whole country is thinking about personal transformation. As we get to January 1st, 2020, hashtag new year, new self, right? All that goes in with New Year's resolutions, you're thinking about what does a renewed me look like in 2020? And I dig that. I think that's great. I think it's good for us to set goals And and the reality is this, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to set New Year's resolutions. And so I I just want to be clear that what we're talking about here at the fellowship throughout the month of January isn't simply New Year's resolutions and goal setting, as great as that is. We're talking about um, powerful, internal, permanent transformation that only God can do. In our life. That's what we're thinking about at the fellowship uh, in the month of January. Personal transformation. That's what we're thinking about. That's what we're talking about. Uh, That's the area of life that we're challenging everybody to set a goal and to seek the Lord's face and to open the Word of God and say, God, how do I need to transform over the next thirty days? And Lord, would you empower me? Would you work in my soul? Would you work in my life? Would you work in my whatever needs to be worked in to transform my life to be more Christ-like? That's what we're doing. And we're doing that and we're trying to help you do that by giving you what we call a thrive statement. Now, if you're new here, a thrive statement is simply a sentence sentence that gives us a vision of where it is that we're trying to go. Hopefully it's a sentence that will give you a spot that you can say, okay, there is my spot. There's the spot that I want to be working on. And so this month, the Thrive Statement is this. I long for and I participate in the transforming work of the Spirit inside all areas of my personal life. Can you say that? Can you say that right now where you sit? Honest before the Lord. I'm not asking you to stand up and testify, but just as you get before God, and it's just you and the Lord, can you say that I long for and I participate in the work of the Spirit in every area of my life. Uh, Last week we were talking about the reality is that for some of us, we need God to ignite this passion inside of us to really want this. And so maybe that second word, I long for this, maybe that's where you need God to change your life. Maybe you just need to say, God, I need you to ignite in me a passion to want to be transformed. Because sometimes, isn't it true that we don't necessarily want to be transformed? We, we like where we're at. You know, it's not perfect, right? But it's comfortable. It's predictable. It's, it's where I'm at. It's where I'm comfortable. Or maybe some of, us, some of us need to participate in what God is doing in our life. And that's what we're talking about today. The question that we're looking at today is... Who gets to choose the transformation that needs to happen in my life? That's a huge question. You know, probably everybody that you ask, whether you're in here or if you to go over to Target or go over to the restaurant and you just start walking and saying, hey, is there an area of your life that might could be a little bit better? I would bet you that 100% of people would say, yeah, there's an area. But the question is for us. For people who seek to come under the teaching of Scripture and to really follow Jesus, who gets to decide what that is? That is a significant question that we're going to be looking at today. So the Thrive Statement this month is, I long for and I participate in the work of the Spirit of God in every single area of my life. And specifically this morning, we're asking the question, who decides? Who decides? The reason that this is an important question is because it determines the direction that you go. It's kind of like when you get in your car today and you say, what are we going to eat for dinner? What are we going to eat for lunch? And if you have three people in your car, three people are going to have an opinion. Well, no, that's not true. One, two will, and somebody will say, I don't care. (laughs) But they'll only say, I don't care, until you actually Offer a place, and then they're going to say, No, I went there last week. Am I saying this out loud? <laughs> so true. The question is who gets to decide the direction that you're going? And in our culture and in our world where I decide my own destiny, I decide what's right for me, I decide what's true for me, it is countercultural for me to stand before you and say, I submit to you the best answer for that is the Lord. The best one to say in your personal life that here is the area of your life that needs to be transformed, that needs to be be redeemed, and it needs to be shaped, and it needs to be formed. It's God. I want to prove that to you today. That's the goal that I have today is to prove to you so profoundly that the answer is the Lord. When we ask the question, who should be the one to determine what area of my life and when and how and all of those important questions, the answer is the Lord. And my hope is that I can prove that to you so that when you leave today, you would actually make a commitment. And this would be your commitment. My commitment to God is that I'm going to yield to his work in my life. And I'm not going to lead the way anymore. I'm going to take a passive, yielding, submissive position to God as he seeks to transform my life. That's what I hope I'll be able to prove to you would be the absolute best thing that could happen to you. So the question is, why is it the Lord? Fair question. And we're going to look at several passages this morning. Uh, and one of the verses that we're going to be looking at is Psalm 139. So I invite you, if you have your Bible, to turn there. If you're a guest today, let me say a couple of things to you as people are opening their Bible to Psalm 139. If you don't have a Bible, my dear friend, we'd love to give you one. If you're a guest today and you didn't bring a Bible with you and you don't have access to it on your phone, we would love to invest into your life the gift of the Word of God. We believe it's the best gift that we could give to you. It's the best thing that we could invest into your life. And so we would love to give that to you. When you leave today, uh, when you're going out these doors to your left, there's a bookcase and there's some Bibles on the top shelf. We invite you to just pick one up. We would love for you to have a copy of the Word of God. And if you are a first-time guest today, then you'll notice if you have your bulletin that in the top right, there's a way for you to register uh, as a guest. I encourage you to do that. You can even do it now. Uh, but we, we try to give an efficient and effective way for guests to Uh, Say that they're here. We don't want to embarrass you. Uh, We don't want to do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. We do want to know that you are here. So we ask that you uh, look at those instructions and follow through on those. So Psalm 139, here's what we're going to discover. The Lord should be the one to determine the area of my life that needs to be transformed, when it should be transformed, and how it should be transformed, because God is good at making those decisions. Now that's profound, isn't it? God is, God is good at that. That's something that God uh, excels at. We're going to look at that in a couple of different ways. We're going to look at the scripture in Psalm 139 in the Old Testament. We're also going to let uh, the New Testament inform our thinking a little bit about this. But if the question is, why should God be the one to choose? The answer is because he, God, is a master at it. Psalm 139, I'm going to read a couple of verses to you. This is the Word of God. This is from the Old Testament. If you're new to the faith, then our Bible is broken into the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the psalm is kind of like the Hebrew songbook, right? And, and this is something that was written from the psalms. And so you can almost just hear the cadence of this. And you can imagine singing this. In fact, we sang some very similar lyrics. The idea that God is the one who's created us Listen as we read the word of God. For you, God, you formed my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows that very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was not one of them. So why is God good at being the best one to transform our life? Here's why. Because he's the one who designed us. Why should God be the one to say, Zach, here's your direction. Here's how I want to shape your life. Here's where I want to put my hands into your life and, and change you. And Zach, I love you. But I love you so much that I can't possibly let this remain. So I'm going to get involved in this, Zach. I know it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable and painful for a moment. But trust me, when I reach into your life and I remove that from your life, Zach, I'm the best one to do this because I am the one who made you. Because he's our designer. When the machine breaks... The machine doesn't fix itself. Has to call somebody in. The one who understands the blueprint, the pattern, what's supposed to be. You know, the honest truth is, as much as I like to tell myself that I've got it all together and I know what should. There's some times in my life that I'm so nearsighted or short sighted or blind or lying to myself that I don't even know what should be. I need my designer to be the one to step in. And put his hands on my life and transform my life. I need that. And I wrote down a couple of words that I think represent these verses that we just read. We're talking about God forming our inward parts, knitting us together, being made in the secret. I wrote down three words. I invite you to write these down and meditate on these as it relates to God being our designer. These are the three words. Intricate, intentional, and intimate. Intimate. Intricate, intentional, and intimate. And I wonder how many people need to be reminded this morning that that is how God put you together. You are no accident. As you sit here today, you may feel like an accident. You may feel like a mistake. You may feel like you haven't done anything right for a month. Or two months, or two years, even you may be you may be feeling like everything has fallen apart, and you know what? Maybe everything is falling apart. But here's what I can tell you: you are not a mistake. God made you, and He took the time to intricately put you together, and He was intentional when He put you together. You aren't a byproduct. You aren't an accident. The scripture says that God literally made you on purpose. You can leave here today knowing that your life has purpose. Because God made you intentionally. Intimate. What a beautiful thought. That before my mother and father even knew I existed inside my mom's womb before she ever went to my dad and says guess what sweetheart before any of that happened the lord knew the colors of my eyes today we celebrate 18 years of marriage crystal and I it's awesome And I think to myself, I think I know more about her than anybody else knows about her on planet Earth. But God knows way more about her. He knows the depths of her being. And the scripture says that before she or I or you were even born, He knew you. And I just want you to sit with that. I want to ask you to just let that stir in your heart. I know you're looking at your bulletin. You're thinking, oh, we have so much to fill in. Hurry, say I get through this. No. No. Feel this this morning. God knows you. Everything. The stuff that you're hiding from people, the stuff that you're afraid to reveal to people, the stuff that everybody knows about you, God knew it first. He made you intricately, intentionally, and intimately. So, why is He the one that should be the one to say the area and the how and the when? Because he's our designer. He's the one who created us. Mike read that verse from Genesis. A beautiful text. Genesis 2. He breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And at that point we became a living soul. That is why he is more qualified than anyone. God To be the one who decides what type of transformation is appropriate in our life. There's a passage in Philippians. Beautiful passage. If you're making notes, write this down. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Glorious. Paul is writing to the church. He's trying to encourage them. Because when Paul writes to the churches in the New Testament, there's always something wrong. We often think like, I wish I could go back to the New Testament church where everything was awesome and there was never any problem. There were always problems in the New Testament church. In fact, almost exclusively, that's not entirely true, but almost exclusively, that's why Paul wrote to the churches. He's like, hey, Corinthians, what in the world are you guys doing down there in Corinth? this church is messed up. Let me speak to you a little bit about this. And he's he's writing to the Philippians church and he's telling them about the joy that you can have in the midst of great sorrow, in the midst of great suffering. He says something brilliant. Well, he says many things brilliant. But as it relates to this morning, I want to share with you. Here's what Paul says to the church at Philippi. He says, I'm convinced of this, that he who began a good work in you is faithful and he will continue it in you. And this is a good work. He says, he who began a good work in you is faithful and he will continue it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. So why is God so good at it? Why is he the one that should be the one making these decisions? Well, the Old Testament says because he's the one who designed us. But the New Testament says a couple of things. Number one, because the work of God in our life is good. Number two, because the work of God in our life is internal. Internal. It's something that's happening on the inside of us. And number three, because the work that God starts in our life actually gets completed. Anybody in here already ruined their New Year's resolution? Don't raise your hand. I don't want you to have to admit it. But you know how it is where we have all of these great goals and we write them down and we're ready to get moving and we say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or I'm going to change my characteristics and and we get into it and then we're like, well, you know, the the old me wasn't so bad, right? I mean, this is a lot of work and we kind of let the work fall by the wayside and we don't follow through, we don't complete it. Let me tell you something about God. He finishes what he starts in you. So why is it that we should yield to him? That we should seek Him, that we should celebrate the fact that God wants to take the lead in the transformation in our life because the Bible says that it is a good work. And the Bible said it is an internal work. The work that God began in you, and He will complete it. Now you say, when? Fair. <laughs> Fair question. Hurry up, God, right? Hurry up and do what you want to do in my life, God. I understand that. But the work of God in our life, your life and in my life, it's good, it's internal, and he will complete it. This is why we write in our bulletin that God is good at what he does, leading transformation in our life. I just want to summarize for you what we've said so far. I made a note of about... Uh, Six things that this means. I don't have my glasses on. I was wrong. There's five things that this means. (laughs) Excuse me. There's five things that this means. Uh, Five reasons to rejoice. Number one, because God has the patent on our original design. You are one of a kind. And God has the patent on that. He is the one who designed you. Number two. Because God has the wisdom to see the problems and what needs to be the remedy. He has the ability to look into your life and say, here's the issue. And I just have to tell you, sometimes I can't do that for myself. I'm too much in it, right? I'm too much in the thing that I need uh, deliverance from, in the thing that I'm struggling through. And I need a sovereign set of eyes to look at my life and say, Here's the thing, and here's what needs to be done by it. God has the patent on the original design. God has the wisdom to see the problem and the solution. God has the power to affect permanent internal transformation. He has the power to do that. God does. He has the commitment to see this through. And this might be the most glorious reason to rejoice. This is what I wrote in my notes. God has the love to apply these things to our life in a careful and gracious way. God has the love to apply these things to our lives in a careful and gracious way. Glorious. So we're talking about this morning two reasons. That it should be the Lord that leads out on personal transformation. And the first reason that we've looked at is because God is good at it. The second reason is because we are not good at it. Very simple outline this morning, isn't it? God is good at it. We're not good at it. I want to explain to you what I mean. Because what I don't want to do this morning is to create despair and for you to leave feeling like you're bad at life. (laughs) I don't want to do that for you. But I do want you to see that as it relates to personal transformation, it should be God who should lead the way and we should yield and follow. That's why the Thrive Statement says, I long for and participate in the work of the Spirit. Not the work of myself. But I want to participate in what God is doing. And it really gets twisted and broken. When I decide I'm going to be the one. I don't care what God has to say. I'm going to be the one that determines this personal transformation. And here's why. The reason that this is so important. Is because our urge. To improve God's design always creates devastation. Our urge to improve what God's vision is for our life will always create devastation. If you're making notes, just write down the, the, the phrase Genesis 3. And I encourage you to go back and look at this. Genesis 3 tells the story. Mike was reading the scripture from Genesis 2. This glorious picture of God breathing into human beings and turning them into living souls. And it's glorious. You know how long it lasts? A chapter. <laughs> One chapter. Because we have the Garden of Eden and here's Adam and here's Eve. And they're living in this glorious vision and reality of life. There's no sin in the world. God literally visits and walks with Adam and Eve. It's just a beautiful picture of of wholeness and righteousness and wellness and well-being. And This this is what we were designed to be and to look like. And the scripture says that um, the serpent shows up. And we love to blame the serpent, don't we, Ernie? We love to blame it on the devil. We love to say, if that devil would not have been in that garden. Well, I beg to differ. Because it it is true that the serpent brought the attention of Adam and Eve to the fruit. And let me just save you an email. I know it wasn't an apple. (laughs) I know it wasn't an apple, but these are on sale right now at Shaw's. But here they are in the garden. And and I, I asked you to write the scripture down. I want you to go back and study it for yourself. Because here's what happens. The Bible says that when Eve saw that the apple was good to eat. Was appealing to the eyes. And was able to make one wise. She took the bite. Now what does that mean? Let's think about that for a second. The first step of rebellion from humans before God reads entirely like a person who desired to have personal transformation. Listen to me. When Eve saw that the apple was good to eat, I mean, fruit is good for the body, is it not? It's much better than cheeseburgers and cheese enchiladas. When she saw that it was good to eat... Fruit was designed to be eaten. When she saw it was good for food. It was appealing to the eye. Oh, some of us, we get so excited about that vision of ourself. It becomes so appealing to our eyes that it takes us away from the will of God. But here's the kicker. When she saw that eating that fruit would give her the knowledge of good and evil. Now, pause. Couldn't somebody say she just wanted she just wanted to improve her life. She just wanted to gain wisdom. She just wanted to gain knowledge. Here's the issue. The serpent was tempting Eve. Here's what he said. The Lord knows that when you eat that fruit, you will be like God. So why should we not be the ones to continually Paved the way for our personal transformation. Why should it be that we yield to God? Because when we try to do it. We always end up eating the wrong fruit. When Eve saw. That if she ate this fruit. It would transform her life. She ate it. She took the bite. Now that's personal, right? If you go to Genesis three, you find a place in scripture where all the people said, you know what? We don't want to do what God wants us to do. We want to make a name for ourselves. It's a little less known because it's not the Garden of Eden, but it's called the Tower of Babel. And this is the place in the word of God where it wasn't just Eve and it wasn't just Adam. It was all the people. They decided to rebel against God and they said, we're going to build this great tower and it's going to tower to the heavens and we're going to create this great name for ourselves so here's here's what i'm submitting to you today that god is good at personal transformation in our life and while we need to be about the actions and we need to participate with god we should not be the ones leading the way didn't work out for eve it didn't work out for adam And it hasn't worked out for all of humanity. When we try to divorce growth from the existence and the provisions of God, it always damages things. So then what's the answer? What what do we do then? Are we supposed to do nothing and just sit around and wait for God to show up and and wait for God to change our lives? Well, yes and no. I want you to hear me when, when we talk about this morning about allowing God to lead the way. But we participate in that. So before I bless us being lazy and not doing anything in our own spiritual growth, let me say a couple of things about that. Think about when Jesus called the disciples. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? Two words, follow me. You see, the Christian life is a life of action. And I want for us to hold that before ourselves because as we're working through what does this mean for my life and personal transformation and, and I do want my life to be transformed but I, I'm struggling with what you're saying, Pastor, because I feel like what you're saying is I shouldn't be the one in charge of the direction that my life transforms. You're hearing me right. I am saying that. I'm saying that God should be the one that decides that and then we come alongside of the lord and participate in that work the kingdom of god is a kingdom of action we talked about that last week and jesus says to his disciples i want you to follow me he doesn't say i want you to think about me he says i want you to follow me i want you to come be a part of what i'm doing and for some of us that's where we're at today The very first thing that we need to do is we need to make a commitment. We need to make a decision to become a follower of Jesus. You may be looking at the study that we're doing this morning and going, I would love that. I am just, I don't have a good track record with leading personal transformation in my life. I would love for one more wise than I to be the one leading that transformation. Where do I sign up? Well, the first step is that you become a follower of Jesus. Because as we're thinking about personal transformation, this happens inside of the kingdom of God when we step into the kingdom of God by becoming a follower of Jesus. We were at an incredible men's gathering this past weekend and we were thinking about this phrase in Ephesians 6 where Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, Put on the whole armor of God. So that you can stand in the strength of God. You see, the strength of God is not my strength. That's something that God provides. But I have a responsibility to put on the armor of God. You see, I have to actually do something with the provisions of God. It's the same thought this morning. I don't want for us to think that we should just sit in the chairs and just do nothing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that when it comes to... who is going to make the decision? What it looks like, it needs to be God and, and not us. And we need to long for and participate in the work of God as He reveals it to us and, and as He guides our journey of personal transformation. It really switches and it really transforms how we feel about transformation and change in our life. Because now I'm not, a, I don't have to feel the burden. Of what it's going to be. I just have to make sure that I'm ready. That when the word of God shows me. What God wants me to see. And where I need to change. I'm ready to go. And it really changes the dynamic. And it it removes the burden. Of me feeling like I have to sit down at the drafter's bay. And draft out what my life is supposed to look like. That's God's job. My job is to be ready to say yes Lord. I trust you. I celebrate this. and, And lean into what God Is wanting to do with my life. So, the last thing that we're going to do this morning is talk about some practical steps. But before we fill in the blanks in the bulletin, I want to just make sure that you're aware of one very practical way uh, that you can be a part of participating in God's transforming work in your life. Uh, The church is sponsoring this seminar, this workshop on emotional wellness. You've probably seen these all over the church. I just want to make sure that you're aware of this and that you realize this isn't just something that the pastor talks about from the platform. We want to help you in your journey of participating with God towards personal transformation. And so I just encourage you to see this as you walk through the way and as you go through the halls, you see this a poster about the emotional wellness seminar that we're going to be doing coming up. This is a good way. It's not the only good way, but it's a good way for us to be partnering with God in how we might be personally transformed into the version or the vision that God would have for our lives. But for, for some other practical uh, recommendations, you see in your bulletin, I want to offer you two suggestions And what I want to do is I want to capture the passion that you have for personal growth and personal transformation. And I want to help you point it in the right direction. I want for us to leave with the same level of passion. So if you came in here and you're thinking, yes, I want to be a better version of me. I want to be a renewed me. 2020 is going to be different for me than 2019. I want 2021. Uh, to see a new me rather than what I had in 2019. And if you're just passionate about the new year and and the new you, here's what I wanna do. I wanna capture that passion and help you focus it in the right direction so that you really are experiencing personal transformation, but you're doing it in a biblical way that will be appropriate in the kingdom of God. Meaning God is the one guiding you and you're participating in what God wants to do in your life. So you see there, there's uh, two practical tips And the first one is this, to take all of your self-help energy that you're ready to devote to the new year and the new you, and you devote it to learning and yielding to the word of God. And so as you sat down at the beginning of January, and you thought through what you wanted 2020 to look like, and and you caught that transformation fever that we do at the end of the year, and a new year, and I want to make all of these changes in my life. And you say, I'm willing to wake up 30 extra minutes. I'm willing to stay up 30 extra minutes. I'm willing to give my lunch break. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I just want to be transformed this year. I want a new me in 2020. I want you to hold on to that energy. I just want you to focus it in the right place. And I want to share this thought with you. If you will take all of your self-help energy, and you will devote it to learning and yielding to the Word of God, you will be transformed this year more than you've ever been transformed in your life. I promise you that. You say, how can you promise? Because the Word of God never returns void. And if you will spend your energy learning and yielding to God's word, you will experience transformation. You will experience personal transformation. And you will be confident that it's been led by God because it's being led by His word. And so you can ensure that you'll be transformed and you can be ensured that it's going to be led by God. So a practical step, take your self-help energy and focus it in to learning and yielding to the Word of God. The second one, take your self-help time, the time that you plan to devote to this, and spend it sitting in the presence of God. Sitting in the presence of God. Doesn't that sound counterintuitive? You would think if we're talking about personal transformation, we would say, everybody, quick, get up and do this and do this and do this and do this and and make sure you're doing this. And here's your long checklist. If you want to be a good follower of Jesus or a good Christian or have a productive year, do this and this and this and this. I would suggest to you that the starting point is to spend time sitting in the presence of God. The one who intricately and intentionally and intimately made you. That truly is the first and appropriate place for us to start a journey of personal transformation. And If you're here today and you love what you're hearing but it's foreign to you. Maybe this is new, new things to you. Maybe you're here and it's your first time or you've been to church in the past, but you've never heard these thoughts before and you're thinking, what, what am I supposed to do with this? I invite you today to make a decision that moving forward, you're going to be a follower of Jesus. As I said a moment ago, that really is our first step is to, is to turn from the life of me being in charge and saying, Lord, from now on, I want you to be in charge. And for many of you who have done that, you're thinking to yourself, okay, so now that I've done that, what do I do? Sit in the presence of God and ask yourself this question. Who is deciding the direction of your life? Can you say honestly that the Lord is? Is leading you? Or would you say this morning, no, I I know that I love God, but I've been trying to be like God. And I've been trying to hold on to that for myself. And I've been trying to lead my own life without God's direction, without God's voice, without God's guidance, without God's power. I need you to to see this this morning if that's you. That is exactly what tripped up Eve. The desire to be like God so that you don't need his direction. And it devastates us. So for some of us this morning, maybe we need to make a commitment to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. For some of us who have done that, maybe we need to revisit Am I really yielding to the leadership and the movement of God in my life? We've looked at Psalm 139. We've looked at Philippians. We've looked at Genesis 3. We've looked at a lot of scriptures this morning. And I don't want to pretend to know that I'm aware of everything that God is doing in our worship center this morning. Because we're at different places and God can be doing different things in our lives. So I want for us to close with a time of prayer. With a simple plea for you. Whatever your next step in faith is. Take it today. Don't wait. I want to plead with you that way. Whatever your next step of faith is. Take it today. I admit. I don't know what that might be for you. Maybe you need to come into the faith. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to seek the Lord's forgiveness on a matter. I don't know what it is. But my friend, whatever it is, please respond to the Lord.